Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to a new show for Lave Radio, Data Slate, where we talk about science fiction books and fantasy books that we've read recently. These won't include the official Elite Dangerous Fiction. We've talked about that more than enough. Instead, we're going to look at a whole range of science fiction that was published around AD 2015 and hopefully give you a few ideas of things that might make a good read. Joining me tonight is John Richardson, a veteran to all forms of podcasting from his amazing show Starfleet Comms, and he's been venturing into deep space far longer than Lay Radio has. Good evening, John. How's things? Uh, very well, thank you very much, and thank you for having me on the show. It's uh, very much appreciated. A little bit more well, airtime. <laughs> absolutely, and I think, to be honest, with the fact that you've got a slightly broader take on, on science fiction in general, you've been out there exploring the far distant void for longer than we have it kind of kind of fits really in that we can kind of talk through things related to other science fiction and other fantasy that our listeners might be interested in and maybe give a recommendation or two about things that they can pick up and listen to read watch everything that uh, that goes down excellent sounds like a good idea so i should explain the reason the show is called data slate if you are an elite dangerous official novel fan have read any official novels, you should find that most of the touchscreen devices that are mentioned, certainly in the fantastic books, Elite Fiction, are known as data slates. It is the word that we we decided to go with. Um, Star Wars used data pads, other fiction used other other words. We went with data slate, so that's that's the reason why we've we've chosen this as the name of the show. And hopefully what you'll be able to do is, once we've given a couple of recommendations about things that we're interested in in terms of books it might be you go off and download them to your data slate oh that was so cheap i see what you did there <laughs> yeah yeah that's very was, good that was pretty it was pretty bad wasn't it but before we get to that well we're going to talk a little bit about starfleet comms so um for the elite dangerous listeners who don't know what is it, John? Well, it's a very good question actually it's been many things it's been around for about 14 years now then, when Starfleet Command 2, Empires at War, was a game, uh, it was basically a focal point for that community. And we provided forums uh, for individual clans, if you like, uh, for that, fleets that were called then. And uh, people basically joined those forums and discussed their plans to take over the maps that were part of the Starfleet Command game. We then went into creating servers for the game, and we were... Uh, the originators, if you like, for the Orion Space Girls, uh, sorry, Slave Girls servers, which were uh, basically war servers for that particular game, and it was really, it was really good fun. We did them for about three episodes, and then something quite bad happened. A 9/11 hit, and the bizarrely enough, the community basically just disappeared. And there was a number of things that happened at the same time. There was 911. There was Taldron games going bust. And there was, it was basically the end of life for the game. So basically, all of these things conspired to make the community disappear because a lot of the people who made up the community were actually servicemen and women in America. So yeah, then it moved on to do different things and we became a podcast in the end, uh, serving EVE Online. And we did around about 30-odd episodes for EVE Online, interviewing the developers there. 
um, produced a, a drama show, not unlike some of the shows you've got, except a little bit worse than the shows you've got. <laughs> so, and we did, we, we sort of pootled around and did things like that for a while. And then, of course, Elite Dangerous came out and we sort of hung on the coattails of that for a little bit. So, and, and that's what we're currently doing, really. Well, we've got a little bit of an exclusive, obviously, tonight, because we're recording on the 2nd of April. And, you know, we're going to get a little bit of a steal of March on the main show for next Tuesday. And I'm sure they'll be talking about this, but I'll have this edited and out before then. So we know that today Frontier have released on Steam. We do indeed. Yes. What's your thinking, John? Uh, well, basically, I think it's a good idea. Uh, I think that the, the, to increase the audience is a good thing. To reach that audience and gain more revenue is also a good thing. And I know it's also there's a bit of controversy around it regarding Steam keys at the moment. Uh, and hopefully that looks as if they're going to look into that and resolve. I think it's a good thing. It, it's a tricky thing, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're, I'd, certainly you've observed this development process with perhaps a bit more of an experienced eye than, than we have. And one thing we, we've sort of said and we, we kind of have had the thought mm. of is that maybe that Frontier... They don't have any experience or that much experience of moving into this kind of this kind of popularity of game, this kind of MMO within the current online contemporary climate. So it's possible that, you know, occasionally they get one or two decisions where they don't really know what the right decision is to make it at the time yeah um, it, it seems to me as if sometimes they get caught on the hop slightly and not through anything bad just a case of perhaps overlooking something yeah it's it's sort of it's not making a mistake it's more just not really knowing that's right yeah you know, before they before they, they sort of but do something i've seen many games do this before in the past anyway Toldron uh, did that quite a few times uh, eric bethk who was the ceo of that did that a couple of times you know about john smedley of swg fame uh, he yeah, made a couple yeah. of mistakes and you know uh, ccp who became expert in the end in managing their community i think you know they did have a, a couple of faltering steps and but now manage that community effectively and i think that really frontier I think they will get there, and they will do that, and they're not far away. They just they just need a little bit more experience tucked under the belt, I think. Yeah, it's just one or two times these things sort yeah. of happen, don't they? And and I think it's it's about people sort of giving them the right advice at the right time, and then and hopefully they make the you know the decisions that they they choose to make. Mm -hmm. I guess with the Steam Key situation, though, I mean it is logistically quite difficult, isn't it? In that they've got to think about how their patches are going to work. They've got to think about if there isn't keys for the existing community who are served through their own website, how th how those two reconcile each other, uh, you know, it's tricky. Oh, I think it might be simpler than we think, in all fairness, because the once they've got the patch uh, available, uh, mm. Steam distributes it fairly quickly and simply throughout their network of of um, content delivery servers. So, you know, I I can't imagine it would be really difficult for patches to be uh, delivered i think it'll be easier the the marrying up of the accounts of people who have already bought alpha beta you know pre-existing yeah. people to give them a steam key i think it'll just be the administration of that that'll be the difficult thing rather than the actual technical aspects of it in fact they might even have it already in hand yeah okay well you know worth worth seeing and obviously we'll keep an eye on it as uh, as things go mm. 
So in terms of um, Starfleet Comms, where are we looking to find it? Uh, Starfleetcoms.com. Okay, nice and easy. It is. And I know because, you know, I've listened to, to a few bits and pieces on, uh, on Starfleet Comms. Mm. And um, you interviewed Kate many, many moons ago oh, yes. with, uh, with regards to, to Mostly Harmless. So, you know, there's, there's one or two things of, of that. Obviously, we interviewed Kate as well, yeah. but I'm sure she said more things to you than, well, uh, I don't know. than she ever says to us. <laughs> no, no, she, she doesn't like us because we dump radioactive waste in slough all the time. So. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the interview with Kate. She was so warm and, you know, so open. It, it, was, just a, uh, it was just a pleasure, an absolute pleasure to do. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether she deserves radioactive waste or not, but carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, turning to why we're here and the other things that we have to to discuss this evening. So what I'm going to do, John, is we're going to just break for a quick advert. You put me on the spot, aren't you? I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you two minutes because I'm going to break for an advert. And then we're going to be right back with your book choice. Okay. Want to tour the frontier? Travel with Colmac Reeve and our new fleet of passenger Starliners. We've opened up the universe for a range of budgets. Option one, luxury. My husband and I like to travel in comfort. The new luxury cabins were like a home away from home. After all, one's home is a castle. Option two, first class. We'd saved up a bit for a really special trip. The first class cabins were like Nothing we've travelled in before really luxurious. Option three, travel cabin. We won a trip with Cormac Reeves' monthly lotto. A travel cabin for two on a Starliner around the solar system. Once in a lifetime for us, simply amazing. Option four, basic accommodation. Me and my mates just wanted to hitch around the universe. It's so great that we have the option of getting a really cheap cabin to see the sights. It saved us loads. And for the budget conscious and slaves, we have our cheapest option yet. Well, I needed it. And we won't sell any of those frozen passengers into slavery, I promise. Colmac Reeves All Budget Tours. Seeing the galaxy from luxury to freezing tubes. Greetings, Commanders. You're listening to Lave Radio. Join us live every Tuesday at 8.30pm GMT for the latest on Fleet Dangerous. Drop into the live Twitch stream every Friday at 8pm GMT to watch the Elite Dangerous community show, Crash Landing. Lave Radio, crash-tested and approved since the year 3200. Okay, and we're back, Commanders. So we've structured the show with a little bit of introduction. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm here with John Richardson. And what we're going to do is go through John's book choice for this evening. So, John, what have you chosen? Right. I have chosen Spinward Fringe Origins, which is a collected trilogy. And this book is by Randolph Lalonde. And it is basically a science fiction epic if you like, and uh, it takes place in a future somewhere where there are space stations, there are people in personal fighters, there are big, massive capital ships, 
there are space battles, corporations are in charge, uh, there's big bad guys, there's your pathetic people who need help, there's all that conflict that's going on, and it's absolutely fantastic, and it's free. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So is this available on Amazon then as an ebook? It is. It's available on Amazon as an ebook uh, for free uh, on your Kindle. Um, it's available, I think, on the website randolphlalonde.com. And if you want to buy the hard copy, you can do, and I think that's around about £11. In terms of the content, I guess then we're looking at the kind of space opera that the kind of elite dangerous fan would be interested in. Uh, from your description, it's got, it's got all those kind of elements. The sort of Star Wars stroke Battlestar Galactica stroke Elite Dangerous stroke Star Citizen. Yes. That kind of look. Yes, however, the style in which this is written uh, makes it very easy for you to actually pick it up, read for a few minutes, put it down, get on with something, and then want to pick it up again. Because even in two, three minutes, four minutes or something, you've got a page turner that's going on. It's got a really good pace. The acting, the acting, the characterization in it is really good. Some of the technology in it uh, really sparks your imagination. So you've got people's suits, for instance, which uh, are full environment suits as thick as cloth. So it's a bit like your Remlock. So, yeah, sure. you know, but the Remlock is just the mask and it sort of covers that bit but but this is uh, like an almost an entire body thing it adjusts according to what you want to do and you know it's it, brilliant stuff in it ais that are attached to your wrist are governed by particular laws you've got renegade ais um it's just fantastic it really is a good read and obviously in being available for free it means it's a something that people could pick up and uh know that they've got a set of books that they can you know make a start on they're probably going to enjoy for a period of time so you've you know you've got a good few weeks of a of a holiday read perhaps you know Definitely. around easter good time yeah good know. time i mean that's the trilogy which is free and of course it's very clever marketing because the next book is uh for for us a, a small fee and then the price goes up i think they've got up to about nine books now um in in this entire series so it is quite good um well i can i can appreciate that because <laughs> certainly with with my Wissamere books, I did exactly the same. So, right. Yeah. Um, you know, my first Wissamere book for, you know, several occasions has been on free promotion. And then the second book is a little bit more expensive yeah. and, and so on. Seems so, to be the way forward, yeah. I think. So, yeah. Can I just go into a little bit of the bump about the first part, the the first part of this trilogy? just to see Of course. Yeah. Yeah, no, let's let's get an idea of the story. Obviously, we're, we're going to be careful with spoilers. But, yeah, let's get an idea. Absolutely. So. So what are your thoughts? You right. know, what, what, uh, what, what kind of story is it? Right, so I'll, I'll just quote the blurb, right? So basically it says, Free Ground Station houses an entire civilization of humans and it's under siege. Low on manpower and allies, they discover a group of friends with original thinking who can defeat cadets and trainers alike in detailed virtual combat simulations. Fleet Command has no choice but to send them on a very real, very dangerous mission to go into the galaxy and acquire allies and technology on their behalf. So that's the sort of premise. There's a bunch of people who are really good in this simulation. Um, there are a bunch of misfits, and they are put together in a, a crew and said, go find us some allies and friends to help us. Essentially, then, it has it got a sort of a quest element in terms of the way in which the story is told? That's the way it goes at first, but then as it carries on into the third book... 
you can see there's something else developing. And then, of course, the fourth book, they do a very interesting thing where the protagonist changes, and I won't say any more than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, accessible in terms of a read, then, as you said. Yeah. Really, um, you know, obviously you went through and, and really enjoyed it as it, uh, as it came out. Do you think, is there anything that kind of lingers as a memory from it in terms of the read? What, what's memorable mm. about it? I think what... What made me enjoy the book was the fact that there was no there was no attempt at making it more um, gritty or real than was absolutely necessary. Because um, mm-hmm. I think some books tend to sort of like lay on the on the gore a little bit unnecessarily, whereas this was actually, you know, a little light on that. In all fairness, but it still managed to become real. I don't know how to explain that. Uh, no, no, that that, that explains yeah. it. I think we've got um, it. And the, you know, it, it it wasn't unnecessary. Basically, there wasn't there weren't any bits in it that were unnecessary. I think every word sort of counted, which was good. And uh, yeah, I, I just liked the characters. The characters were just so so friendly and appealing. It's a difficult thing for a writer to kind of get a cast. Yeah. And to just uh, you know to distinguish between between different characters as as they're going through, um, I guess then you know are there any particular memorable ones ones that you'd name? Well, uh, Captain Jacob Valance um, is mm-hmm. is obviously the, the the hero of the piece, and he mm-hmm. seems like a very reasonable chap, and and you do get to like him. His uh, love interest. Um, is also quite pleasant. She's 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 a, a good character with problems of her own. I won't say any more than that, obviously. Um, and there's a, a representation from basically all parts of the you know the community as you would expect. So it's it's one of those books that's got representation that everyone will find something that they like. So I liked it, and I I, I thought the characters were just well well turned out and well developed, especially the captain. Okay, fair enough. So we're going to recommend this as a good read. Obviously available for free at this stage. So worth picking up. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. worth picking up now, giving it a try before before you buy into the rest of the series. Yeah. It's a little bit of a, as I've said, I'm experienced with this, so it's a little bit of a, the first one's for free, and then it's, now I'm your dealer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you you know, seem very familiar with this. Well, but, but, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of something that occasionally Kindle ebook uh, writers can do. And, um, and yeah, so obviously yeah. Worth, a, worth a check out. Uh, so certainly something I will take a look at when my extensive list of reviewing books is, uh, is a little bit shorter. But, um, yeah, so we're going to recommend this. Um, do you want to... Uh, suggest where they should go to go and get it. Uh, I would I would suggest you probably just have a look on Amazon, really, and that's probably the easiest okay. place. But failing all else, go to randolphlalonde.com, and if you Google it, if you Google Spinwood Fringe, you'll be able to find it dead easy. Okay, so that's Spinwood Fringe by Randolph Lalonde. Yep. We're going to cut for an advert break, and then we'll be right back with my choice. Mm-hmm.
choose life, choose a shit, choose a career, choose a cargo, choose a fucking big shit, choose palladium gold and electrical tin openers, choose good health, low cholesterol and ship insurance, choose fixed interest loan repayments, choose a space station, choose your friends, choose leisure wear and matching luggage, choose a paint job and hire purchase and a range of fucking colours. Choose decals, exploration, and wondering where the fuck you are on a Sunday morning. Choose sitting in that chair, running mind-numbing, spirit-crushing trade routes, stuffing fucking junk food in your mouth. And choose rotting away at the end of it all, pissing your last in the void with no one out there to hear you bury or do anything as you drift away in cold space. Until some fucker comes along to steal your ship, your cargo, and your clothes, leaving your bones floating out in space. Choose your future. Choose life. But why would I want to do thing like that? I choose not to choose life. I chose something else. And the reasons? There are no reasons. Who needs reasons when you've got onion heads? And we're back. Okay, so we've had John's recommendation, and now it's my turn. Now, the book I've chosen for our starting episode, I thought I'd go big. <laughs> I thought I'd go... Um, Have you supersized it? Is that what you've done? Well, I, I thought I'd go impressive for 2014. So um, it depends, you know, it depends how much you read contemporary science fiction as to whether you know this, whether you don't know it. Okay. So I've gone for Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. Now, what is known about Ancillary Justice, if you don't know the book, uh, I'll read you the blurb here from Amazon. Okay. The record-breaking debut novel that won every major science fiction award in 2014. Oh, that Ancillary is Ancillary Justice. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it is. You can't get, can't get any bigger than that. Ancillary Justice is the story of a warship trapped in a human body and a search for revenge. Anne Leckie is the first author to win the Arthur C. Clarke Award, the Nebula Award, and the Hugo Award for Best Novel in the same year. So it's, you know, it, it is huge. And of course, um, being a writer, being a, uh, being the fact that I'm studying my, my PhD in creative writing, which, you know, is, is involves science fiction and fantasy, I thought I have to go and read Ancillary Justice. I have to, to, to go and check it out. And I am one of those people that when people tell me something is good, then that makes it harder for it to be good. Right. Do you, do you see what I yeah, mean? Yeah, because they've raised if, the bar, haven't they? Exactly. Yeah. If someone hypes it up to me, it's like, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So this needed to work to impress me. And I, I will say it is it is not the easiest thing right at the beginning. There's a, there's a big thing in, in science fiction criticism in 2014. There was quite a, a large lot of of writing, of, of academic papers and other stuff produced around the idea of writing the other. So if you think back to you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, yes. you've got the you know, the creature, the monster, and there's, there's a lot around the idea of how you make something monstrous and you have to make it slightly human and slightly 
alien or slightly monstrous and, yeah. and there's a rationale between the two and that's you know how you do robots that's how you do aliens that's how you do monsters and so the idea of the the technique of writing the other was something that was was very much being talked about written about explored you know last year uh, and ancillary justice that's essentially what it what it does it writes about the other so i'll i'll give you the blurb um so i've given you the the headline i'll give yeah. you the blurb they made me kill thousands but i only have one target now the ratch are conquerors to be feared Resist and they turn you into a corpse soldier, one of an army of dead prisoners animated by a warship's AI mind. Whole planets are conquered by their own people. The colossal warship called the Justice of Torren has been destroyed, but one ship-possessed soldier has escaped the devastation. Used to controlling thousands of hands, thousands of mouths, the Justice now only has two hands and one mouth with which to tell her tale. So essentially it is the story of this you know, one individual that was a hive mind. Yes. And it tells some of the, the backstory of how we came to this in flashback. So you have two timelines going on. You have the current of being one person and you have the backstory of being more than one person. Um, okay. And it's so interesting as to how it's structured because it's not just about being the whole ship. What this individual or what this, this mind does, it's capable of segmenting itself. So one of the scenes is set on a planet and the Justice of Torren AI has sent 20 soldiers down to escort this lieutenant and they have a mind of their own, but they are segmented away from the rest of the ship. And then we are we tell the story of how they go back to the ship and it kind of, you know, so this very, very incredibly detailed writing on how to to sort of manage these different ways in which something would um uh, would experience would understand you know this kind of structure very 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 interesting in terms of the way in which that works yes i mean i would imagine is this the sort of book that you would probably read again to try and get what it was about or is it one of those that you get immediately um i'm not sure i mean it it starts with a murder yeah. um which is a you know fairly classic uh, classic plot for most genres, obviously thriller mm. plot, but you know you can you know you can kind same of story really, isn't it? Paint yeah. it, and essentially, essentially, it is a bit of a murder mystery as it goes through. Yeah. It's got all the the kind of space opera stuff that you would have in the kind of traditional elite, dangerous, star citizen, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, epic that you would have because you've got these huge capital ships, you've got this sort of federation style organization, which is the Raj. Yeah. And you've got their pacification of planets. So you've got like a a little bit of, of, of lots of different writers going on in terms of what's there. You've got maybe a little bit of, of Ian Banks, you know, in terms of the structure and the, the culture of the Ratch mm. as well. So when you were reading this, what struck mm -hmm. you about uh, at, the at the very beginning? What was the hook? Well, to start with, it's, as I said, it's a little tricky. It's written in first person. Yeah. So... I think I think the moment that I started to question and struggle a little with it was the moment where the the entity one esque is the term for the the twenty, you know, as as they were for most of the the initial novel, and that that's that basically determines their they're like their patrol. Right. You know, okay. It's, it's it's the Justice of Torren's first patrol unit. 
20 people. They're called 1-esque, and then you have 2-esque and 3-esque. I see. So anyway, 1-esque are down on the planet with their lieutenant. And it's the moment where they start looking at themselves or they, you know, they're reading the body language. Of course, it's a, you know, it's an AI. So it's reading the body language of the lieutenant it's there to escort, who it's known for X amount of years. And so it can judge all their vital signs really, really quickly and really, really cleverly. Mm-hmm. So it was that moment where he could read, 1S could read a little bit more into what the person was thinking than a normal person could. That kind of, that was the first moment that made me go, oh, not sure, you know, mm. this is, this is. And then as it moved on, when we started to get into the layers and layers and ways in which this intelligence was handled, you know, there's there's moments where it's reprogrammed without it wanting to be reprogrammed. There's moments where it wants to do something, but it can't because there's an order in its mind that it can't disobey and it doesn't, it can't feel the order, or it can feel the order, but it doesn't know what the order is. Oh, I see. You know, there's very clever so sort of little bits of ideas. hidden blocks, if you like, that it can't yeah. bypass. Absolutely. And I think the thing that grabbed me, and this was the moment when it really grabbed me, was when we understood what the the large scale of um, the Justice of Torrin was, what the large mind was, and you realise just how small this individual had become by becoming one person. And the, the writer had managed to make me feel strange, or make it feel strange for me, being just in one body. Being just in one body. How clever. Yeah, yeah it's you know yeah. really, really, really good piece. The the sequel is out. The sequel has also won awards. Ancillary Sword has won awards. It does have, you know, and to, to compare it to your choice today, it does have a little bit of a cliffhanger ending. <laughs> does very much set up for a for a second book. Of course. Um but you know, it is it has gone, you know, gone stratospheric all across science fiction at the moment. So Definitely well worth a look. Brilliant. And that's Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. Yes. You know, this was her debut. She's been, well, she's been to Clarion. So Clarion, if if any budding writers want to know, there is a US set of writing courses, very, very exclusive, very, um, very prestigious set of writing courses uh, run by Clarion. Anne Leckie went on the Clarion course, workshop some of her ideas there, and then developed this through into a novel. And it just, I mean, it's, you know, it's blown everything out of the water on all the prize lists. It is absolutely fantastic as a read. And yeah, it is something that, you know, that you'd read again. But at the same time, I'm just looking forward to the sequel. I think the sequel's going to be, you know, it's it's one of those those things that, you know, OK, when I get a minute, I'm just going to read that because that's <laughs> going to be great. Excellent. So, well, yeah, if you have a book and you see a book like that and it makes you feel like that, that's a, that's only a good thing, isn't it? You know, Absolutely, yeah. that's qu- quite a skill to get that done. So, I think so. In terms of uh, compelling characters in the yes. piece, it's all first person, so it's told through the character of of One S, yeah. who goes by a variety of different names. But you can, you know, you can follow it because it's first person. In terms of the the, the supporting cast, they they all very much have a role. There is there is a you know a certain amount of characterization to them and, and different things you've got lieutenant suvarden who who is a companion for for quite a lot of what's there she's quite interesting uh and yeah you know there's there's so many layers to it because it follows this this one character trying to get to the truth and 
it is very interesting. You you kind of almost journey through this very weird culture. How did you find? So, sorry to interrupt. How did yeah, yeah. how how did you find the uh, following of the One S character? Then, if I, I know you said it was talking from the first person, so you could identify it quite easily. But I would imagine that it's shifting from uh, perspective to perspective. Is that right? From from person to person, or is it just from that one view? It, it does shift from person to person, yeah. depending on which which section you're in. So where we're in the contemporary timeline of, a, of one esque only having one body, yeah. then it's it, it's essentially told like a first-person narrative. Yeah. But then when you have these moments where one esque has 20 bodies, you will have essentially the writer uses that as a device. And you always know with a writer that where there is a difficulty like this, where they're breaking a bit of a rule because mm. you know, kind of closeness of perspective and what have you, when a writer knows what they're doing, then actually that breaking makes it really good. So you have moments where she's talking to one of the lieutenants and then there's a disturbance outside. And of course she can use that immediately to switch the scene. She can have two different conversations at exactly the same time one of her can be performing one action while something of her is performing a different action when so she can kind of pull the perspective out yeah and then drop it back in which is is quite quite a careful or it, it's quite a tricky device to manage yeah but i was gonna this, say that would be quite a complex thing to do and you need to be quite uh convincing to pull it off i think so yeah 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 i'd say i mean you know, there's there's a moment where we're back on the Justice of Torren and a shuttle is, is arriving. And some of her is dealing with the shuttle, some of her is um, in the, the recreation room, some of her is, is somewhere else. And then the shuttle, you know, some of the guests of the shuttle go into a deck that she's not in and she starts to get worried about it and so on. So, it, you know, it changes around. Brilliant. You know, quite a lot. And where I say she, you know, one-esque being a she, one-esque is is male or female depending on whatever the the host is yeah. so yeah. you know it, it it has this sort of way of doing something very different very memorable in terms of of the read oh fantastic that sounds really good okay so we've put that on your christmas <laughs> list then yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm just looking at it now 499 kindle edition hardcover 20 pounds 72 yeah, well, it's still at the moment, you know, obviously still at the moment, very new, right. very... Um... And it's at the top of the charts, of course, so... Yeah. You know, and uh, paperback 559, so that's good. And that's on Amazon, by the way, I'm looking, so... Sure, sure. No, it is it is available up on Amazon, yeah. so it's well worth taking a look at. Um, okay, so that covers us in terms of our reviews for this evening. Yes. We'll just say to any listeners out there, if you want to get in touch with us and talk about a particular book, if you want to come on and talk about a book, you're more than welcome to... If you pick up one of the ones that we've recommended... Oh, send in then, a review, yes. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we'll read out some of the comments and the uh, the suggestions that you've got about your experience of reading that, that particular book. If you want to find any more recommendations, then I can certainly recommend a couple of places. One of which is the, the website SF Book, who I occasionally review for. That's uh, www.sfbook.com. You can find an awful lot of, of contemporary science fiction, not just... The big sort of stuff like ancillary justice, but also you can find, you know, independent authors. So there's a real, real range in terms of what's there. And if fantasy floats your boat, then you could head over to the British Fantasy Society uh, website, which is 
britishfantasysociety.co.uk. Go take a look over there. They also produce regular reviews and uh, they have a journal which is excellent and, uh, and features reviews of different books. If you want to find more information about John Richardson's site, Starfleet Comms, head over to starfleetcoms.com where you can find out all sorts of different stuff. If you want a good laugh, you ought to watch mm. our uh, spaceship pew pew bridge session that we had for charity recently. And some some of the bit the outtake from that, if you like, where where the bridge consoles were flying off and smoke machines was going, and it was <laughs> it was it was it was you know grown men crying that sort of thing. It was it, was this was this with Artemis? It, it was yeah, sense. and it's yeah we're we're planning on using Artemis at LaveCon. Are you? So oh. yeah, LaveCon 2015 will hopefully feature yeah. a game of Artemis. We have yet to lay the challenge down to the Frontier devs. Yes team who are coming yeah but i think the idea is the lave radio crew will go up against the frontier team yes you had it here first you, you, yes, <laughs> it, it, it's not as easy as you think <laughs> I, I, i'm sure it's not if we put foz anywhere near the captain's chair i'm sure it'll be disastrous <laughs> but just give him a wrench and put him in the background i think that's the best thing oh, to do dear. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us at info at laveradio.com. You can grab us on Facebook, Facebook slash laveradio, at laveradio on Twitter, or you can join the Skype chat channel by adding fozza 101 to your Skype contacts. Uh, and you can join the TeamSpeak server, where commanders come to hang out and chat as well, on laveradio.teamspeak3.com. So that's it for the first of Data Slate. Hopefully you'll join us again for the next show, and we can talk about some other books. So in the meantime... Get down to the station archives and go find something to read. 